You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thursday against the Houston Texans. This is Brian joined by John as always. John, how are you doing? Just me. Uh, from a football perspective, I'm doing doing pretty great. He's like a Panthers fan. Yeah, this has been a very good week for the Panthers. Really a good two weeks. It's kind of refreshing because we've had our hearts crushed for the last how many years? A couple years, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just get right on to it. So by the way, I need to I need to get this out of my system because I, I held it in last week. But fuck the Saints, man. The Saints are trash. <laughs> yeah, yes. See? Agreed. Yes. Agreed. agreed. <laughs> so the Panthers finally beat the Saints. I don't remember. It's been what? Since 2017? It was five. It was, they said five in a row the Saints had won before Sunday. I don't even count the – because, like, the last time the Panthers beat the Saints was when they uh, – was when the Saints weren't even playing their stars. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I just talking about. The Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, like the Saints weren't even playing their starters. So, like, the last time the Panthers actually beat them, I think, was, like, maybe 2016, to be let honest. Me, like, let me, I'm, yeah, if you keep on talking, I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, but the Panthers not only beat the Saints, they dominated them. Dominated Big time them. dominated them. Yeah, they, uh... Sam Darnold also threw for 300 yards for the first time since 2019 in his second game as a Panther. So that was awesome. Really. I wish more of it came in the second half, but yes, it was awesome. And 2016 was the week 11. 2016 was the last time the Panthers beat the saints. Um, and they like legit beat them. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And not only, so and then in 2017, you know, got swept. Or not only the Panthers, yeah, that was that's when the Panthers lost to the Saints three times, and then they lost again in 2018, and they won when the Saints rested literally everybody. So it's been since 2016, since the last time the Panthers had a legitimate win against the Saints. Yes. And this time around, Christian McCaffrey wasn't even like the. He was still good. I mean, you know, he had that 137 yards of from scrimmage, which for any other running back is really like, oh, that was a great game where McCaffrey, it's like, eh, that was average, you know. It is crazy how, like, how pedestrian he makes a 137-yard day look. 
mean, when you touch the ball 29 times on average, it happens. That is true, so, but yeah, but like, but still, like you said, like 139 total yards or 137 total yards. I think for everybody else is like, wow, but for Christian McCaffrey, it's like kind of bottled him up a little bit. Yeah, and the offense actually, I would say that uh, DJ Moore was uh, probably even at least tied for being the catalyst for the Panthers offensive success. Um, they were great in the red zone, which has been a recurring theme with the Matt rule tenure, but DJ Moore had eight, eight receptions on 11 targets for 79 yards and one touchdown. And a lot of those were key receptions to get the Panthers first down. Um, the guy I want to talk about though, my boy, Brandon Zilstra got his first NFL touchdown. He had three catches for 44, 44 yards and one touchdown, and two of his catches were huge. So all these people, all these marks for, uh, I don't even remember his name at this point, Omar Bayless. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you all can get so forgotten, So forgotten about, you can't even remember his name. But um, it, it was one, so the, oh, go ahead. I'll let you finish your Brandon Zilstra thing. Well, Brandon Zilstra just clearly, he had a really bad preseason, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did. That yeah. last game in particular was like, is like I remember us having a conversation was like, is Brandon Zilstra playing himself off the roster in week three? I think yeah. it was week three of the preseason. Yeah, I mean, all over the preseason, he would be open. He wouldn't catch the ball. He either dropped it or it was a bad throw. But this week, he had the Panthers' first touchdown, which actually really set the tone for the offense. So he did great. Uh, Dan Arnold also finally showed out, which I which was I was happy about because we were hearing about the the Darnold to Arnold uh, connection the entire preseason, and uh, week one he didn't really do a whole lot, but this week three receptions, fifty five yards, and four targets, and uh, two of them definitely set up scoring drives for Carolina. So it, it, big plays from the tight end too. My favorite part about the Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold thing was that I was at the game with my family, and uh, all three times that. Uh, Darnold threw a pass to Arnold. My brother like had to like very aggressively get my sister's attention to say, "Hey, and say, hey, that was Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold," and then just like explain that to her repeatedly every time he caught the ball. So that was fun. Yeah, you could. The announcers were waiting on it too. The first time Dan Arnold (laughs) caught the pass, the announcers were like, "It's Sam Arnold to Dan Arnold." So yeah, that was that was good. But overall, I mean, a very. Obviously, there's definitely room for improvement. The uh, offensive line definitely didn't block super super great for McCaffrey in the uh, running game. He only averaged three yards per carry. Um, Darnold still got hit a couple times, but 26-38 for 305 yards and two touchdowns for a guy that was dead in the water last year as a quarterback. That's pretty good. Yeah, I um I I am curious to see like how the running game looks against different opponents like the Texans who got run all over by the Browns um, because like the Saints, the Saints also held the Packers ground game as well. Like Aaron Jones had five carries for nine yards against the Saints in week one. So it might, they might just have a really good. They, they do. Tough, yeah, they, def- tough they, def- on. they definitely do. Um, even without. Uh... Davenport. Yeah, Marcus Davenport. Their 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 front seven is is definitely good. So it was actually uh, even though the offensive line still looks mediocre at best, they had mm-hmm. a, definitely a good performance there. Um, 
I think it'll also help the Panthers because the, the, this offensive line, aside from uh, aside from uh, Taylor Moten and uh, uh, what's his name, um, right guard, shit, uh, John Miller. John Miller, yeah. Aside from Taylor Moten and John Miller on the right side, Matt Paradis, Pat Elfline, Paradis and on over, <laughs> Cam Irving, they're. They're struggling, but I think part of that it just has to do with not having consistency there, and yeah. that's not going to help this week, but we'll get into that later. Um, but let's talk about that defense. Ooh. Yeah, I think the offense Yeah, the offense was just kind of there. Um, Sam Darnold, the only thing I want to say about the offense is that Sam Darnold has so far been, like, way better than I expected him to be. Um, not just, like, statistically, but, like, in terms of – him pushing the ball down the field and like some of the throws he's made into like tight windows and stuff. Like I was expecting more grotesquely bad decisions and like, you know, lag and his, his pocket awareness has been pretty good too. Like, I mean, we talked, we talked in our Slack group about how ESPN stat said that we were uh, the offensive line basically got beat on like every single pass play, but Darnold's done a really good job of kind of move, like shifting around and like, running into open space to create throwing lanes for himself and stuff like that. Yeah. I think we got Sam Darnold right before he hit the Derek Carr. You're broken. <laughs> yeah. Type, or I guess it's David Carr, the David Carr type David like, Carr, yeah. or broken situation where he, he actually is using his experience as a Jets quarterback to uh, mm-hmm. navigate the pocket. And he makes a lot of really good throws where, it's not a fundamentally sound throw. It's a lot of like across his chest. Like he kind of reminds me of Josh Allen before Josh Allen really came to his own and was like an elite quarterback. The arm talent. Yeah. He's just got arm talent and you can't teach that. And he's making the most of it so far. I mean, there was that dumb decision where he uh, tried to pitch the ball at while he had a, while a defender had him in his arms. But other than that, I'm not seeing a whole lot of the, uh, the Sam Darnold, like, what the fuck are you doing type plays that you saw from him with the Jets, which is fair. It's it's fair to it's fair for him to have done that with the Jets because what the hell else was he gonna do? They weren't gonna win a whole lot of games, so you yeah, know. It's the Jets. But that defense, man. Whew. Yeah, defense. The defense deserves most of the the conversation, I think. I mean, they fucking dominated the Saints. I believe that I read that uh Jameis Winston was was as far as uh, pressures go, he was pressured more than they. I guess the, maybe it's the pressure percentage stat that uh, we're kind of questioning anyway. But he was his pressure percentage was higher than any other quarterback since they were since they started logging that stat in two thousand one. <laughs> basically, every so that was the most frequently pressured a quarterback's ever been based on that stat. Yes, not bad. And just from the ice, from the eye tests, he definitely was. I mean, there were times where there was one play where I specifically remember Jeremy Chin lined up at linebacker and it was just a four man rush, but Jeremy Chin went unblocked for some reason <laughs> and uh, almost sacked Jameis Winston. And then uh, it might've been Brian Burns, but it was one of the defensive ends came in and hit Jameis Winston before he threw the pass. And that was when Justin Burris had his first interception of the season. Like, man, there was there was there was a play where they did a play action fake and Jameis Winston turned around after the fake and not one but two Panthers just sandwiched him immediately after the play action fake. 
like you'll see plays where like you know they'll like leave a guy blocked to try to like hope you know hope that the fake sells them enough to like buy the quarterback time to like roll out or something but the Panthers had two players get in the backfield so fast that Jameis Winston couldn't even turn around after a play fake um and before without getting sacked yeah that was uh Hassan Reddick and uh Morgan Fox and uh Morgan Fox paying dividends real early for the Panthers I mean he wasn't like a (laughs) so is Hassan Reddick well I mean Hassan but I think that Hassan Reddick, it was a little more expected after his last year where Morgan mm-hmm. Fox, like, I think he had six sacks for the same for the Rams, I should say, but yeah, he's an active member as well. But yeah, Hassan Reddick is winning that a uh, sack competition with uh, Brian Burns right now. I, so <clears throat> I definitely was worried last year that Phil Snow was like kind of over, like in over his head a little bit. Um, as a defensive corner of the NFL. And that was just like, you know, the, the stereotypes we have against like older, older guys in like taking on a new job and are they going to adapt to the demands of a new job and different like scheming and stuff like that. And then what I think was, but I think the reason for it was not as much the fact that the Panthers defense is bad last year, but like how they were bad, like situationally, like they were really bad on third downs, really bad in the red zone, stuff like that. But this year, like, they, they like the creativity and the unpredictability of this defense. It's like, like you're talking about like Jeremy Chin coming in unblocked in a four man rush, just like watching the front four or watching this, like the front lines, uh, the, like we bring lots of pressure and we bring it from like so many different places and so many different angles. Like, I don't know how offensive lines are able, like supposed to be able to prepare for the way that we like generate pressure on a quarterback. Like every play, it's like a different combination of people rushing. We have like linebackers rushing, defensive ends rushing, like everybody's all over the place. Yeah, I think it was uh, Dan or- Orlovsky that I was watching today, which he he's not always the best take machine, but uh, <laughs> he was, nobody uh, is really anymore. Like you kind of have to just we. I think we just have to accept that most people on main sports networks are there more for their personalities and their takes than their like intelligence. But yeah, there's but some nuggets he- there. He mentioned a few. He mentioned that the Panthers' defense moves around quite a bit. They do a lot of stunts, and uh, yeah. Overall, it seems like the objective for the Panthers' defense is to get someone unblocked to run after the quarterback or get after the running back. And Shaq Thompson doing a great job of that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Carter too, but Shaq Thompson has been a fucking force recently. As far as like, I think the fact that he's now surrounded by more competent defensive talent has given him the ability to really do his job where last year Mm -hmm. he had to do like everything basically. So the one thing I do want to bring up as well, as far as the defense goes, this is something that we hinted to when the Panthers actually select JC Horn, but I saw him shadowing saints. I don't even, I, I don't know who he is, but the number one wide receiver, he was even like following him in the slot. Oh, he was playing the slot a lot. There were a lot of times. So like I said, I was at the game and I had, seats at like the 50 yard line the upper level which is like the perfect place to kind of see things like watch like the whole big picture and there are a lot of times where the panthers would have dante jackson and uh jc horn lined up on the same side of the field and like no corner on the other side they would just kind of like it, it was like man type alignment where they would just like yeah jc horn will follow the receiver into the slot even if that means he's playing side by side with dante jackson and there's no true corner on the other half of the field. Yeah. And I think that uh, JC Horn was really the piece that was missing last year when it came to the Mm -hmm. pass defense is just the guy who can 
go wherever you want and just say, hey, we need you to cover this guy, so cover him. And uh, obviously, we've only got two games of uh, film on him, but really, he seems like a number one corner through and through easily. And I he said got his it. First... Yeah. Oh, go, yeah. Well, the cool thing about his first interceptions, sorry to interrupt, is that it came against his dad's old team. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, I was saying to my brother, I was like, through two weeks, and even like in the preseason, like, I just like never even like see JC Horn. He's just like never involved, which I think for a corner is kind of a good thing. Like, if the ball is just never making its way to you in the passing game, you're kind of doing your job. The Nam D. effect. Yeah. It just yep. like, I just like, I forget about him all the time which we've had plenty of times with corners where we're like, they're making plays and they're always around the ball, but it's like, it's you're, well, you're getting the ball thrown at you like over and over and over again. JC Horn, like he had, I mean, he didn't get a tackle uh, on Sunday. No, he actually, I I mean, granted he had a, he probably had a better matchup than he did against the, uh, the Jets. <laughs> well, yeah. The Jets had their, you know, top two wide receivers, but overall, I mean, JC Horn's paying dividends, obviously, if you're in the camp where the Panthers should have picked Justin Fields, you're probably still a little undecided there. But overall, I mean, J.C. Horn looks like he's going to be an elite cornerback prospect. Um, my guy, though, Justin Burris. Ooh. <laughs> Got a pick. Led the team with tackles and with five total tackles. Had a pick. Looked good. There were The only, the only negative that I really saw was that he had a chance to get uh, – Alvin Kamara for like a 15 yard loss or something like that. And uh, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't make the tackle, but the Panthers chased Alvin Kamara across the field. And I think it turned oh, in like a three or four yard loss. Was it the, um, the, the play down near the goal line? Was he the one that was at the very beginning that made Alvin yes. Kamara turn around and run the, which uh, watching it live, I was like, well, this is going to be a highlight. Like this is not going to go well. So, and then, seeing Dante Jackson was out there running step for step. It's like, okay, he might not be able to make the tackle, but at least he'll be in the way enough to to get let everybody else catch back up to Kamara. But yeah, I thought that that had disaster written all over it. Yeah, Dante Jackson like made Dante Jackson made a hell of a hell of an effort too. He got he yeah. slowed him down quite a bit. He Dante Jackson definitely is showing to be like a guy who can show come up and run support. Mm-hmm. Um he said some real nice tackles. He had, he did have another one, a real nice tackle on Kamara. I think it was Kamara, like coming out yeah, of the flat. Yeah. And he like wrapped him up like around the like around the ankle and almost missed it, but was able to kind of like, yeah, kind of tripped him up. And I think I got the, the Panthers off the field on the third down, if I remember right. Yeah. Now, I think I think that I've been on this show for the last I th- we've had this show going since like 2017 and I've been bitching about the secondary for so long. And to see after they invested a first round pick in J.C. Horn, obviously Dante Jackson, former second round pick. Justin Burris turned out to be just fine, and Jeremy Chin, second-round pick, turned out to be one of the better safeties in the NFL. It's paying dividends. I, I'm a fan. <laughs> also a fan of having good players in the secondary. And they don't even have to be great. I mean, they have they have Shaq, they have Burns, they have Reddick, they have uh, they have their defensive linemen at the at the defensive tackle position. Yeah, Derek Brown and DeQuan Jones have been very disruptive. And Daquan Jones really is showing. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, Daquan Jones, I actually he was he played for the Titans, and I texted my brother and asked me. He was like, "Well, he's a pretty high level starter, I'd say, but not gonna make any waves, really." But the fact that he's now paired with Derek Brown, where it's basically two guys, where the defense or the offensive line really has to 
prepare to block them. Like now, each each time, like Daquan Jones, for example, he he had a really nice sack uh, on Sunday. He also had like a couple nice plays last week as well. Like now that they have two guys that warrant double teams in the middle, it's almost like the 2013 squad all over again, where Brian mm-hmm. Burns and Hassan Reddick can rush the passer and just do their thing where they have those two monsters in the middle to really uh, take things up. So overall, I'm happy with the defense and just on Burris does not suck by the way. He definitely <laughs> is. He definitely warrants the uh, $4.4 million in cap that he, that he is uh, accounting for. So let's stop worrying about cutting him to play <laughs> one of the temple guys in the back. You know, let's just, let's just enjoy the fact that we have a, a safety who's, not totally terrible. It can make plays when you put them in the right position. So to be fair, the temple guys that have been contributing have been, uh, well worth it as well. Yeah. But still it's, it's, it's okay to have a safety. Who's okay. Like you don't need as <laughs> like, I don't, I feel like there are a lot of Panthers fans out there who say, well, Justin Burris is not fucking cam chancellor. So we should cut him. It's like, no, he can be okay. Yeah. I mean, you have, at least two, maybe three high-end starters in the secondary. So let's just let Justin Burris just do his thing. He's doing just fine. He's doing great. So on the whole, the defense limited to the Saints to 128 total yards on three point three yards exactly per play. Uh, 3.1 yards per pass, 2.8 yards per carry. That's like... And I know it's it's not Drew Brees and Sean Payton, but for, I guess the Sean Payton offense and they do have Alvin Kamara. That's pretty absurd. Like, uh, and the Saints were two for eleven on third down as well. That's pretty absurd defensive efficiency against any NFL team, no matter like how short they are personnel wise or coach wise. Um, 128 total yards of offense is nothing. Like teams get that in a quarter all the time. And, and so John, you, you called it right away as well when you. Uh when you wrote your defensive preview and even last week on the podcast, you were like, the saints have no wide receivers. So <laughs> yeah, Our... they, they did and not it showed it absolutely showed. So whatever saints fan was out here commenting on our <laughs> podcast, telling us that the saints actually do have wide receivers. Well, you can get fucked buddy. Sorry. They technically, I mean, yes, they technically have wide receivers. Um, but little Jordan Humphrey had a 27 yard catch and then Chris Hogan apparently had a 16-yard catch. I missed that. Um, what did that happen? And then, yeah, Deontay Harris, one catch for nine yards. Marcos Callaway, two catches for eight yards. So the uh, lack of wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, really, though, their passing game didn't work at all. Like, Alvin Kamara had four catches, but they didn't go anywhere. Like, the defense just stifled everything. And what's crazy is that, like, how much pressure they're generating. It's not like they're they're doing this, like, the old like Jim Schwartz Eagles thing of like, go wide, like wide nine, get a ton of pressure, but there's like tons of running lanes. It feels like every handoff, there's just nowhere for anybody to go. Um, And then when they, but when they drop back to pass, there's also nowhere for the quarterback to go. So it's like, it's like the Pandas look like they are rushing six and dropping eight into coverage every play. Yeah. And part of that is just the speed they have on defense. Like I, I can't, I can't tell you the last time I felt like they had this kind of speed on defense. Like even, even the 2015 defense, I mean, they had like Luke Keekley, they had Thomas Davis, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call really anybody else on that defense, quote unquote, fast. Where like, no. I, think, 
I think that it was like a least, physical defense, but not a fast. Yeah. Defense. Where I would say like I would say at least seven of their starters are super fucking fast on this defense. Yeah. So yeah. So want to do some 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 uh, great podcasting reading, but just to kind of like, but it, it should be fun. So Panthers defensively, uh, opponents completion percentage they are second. Opponents yards per pass they're fourth. Opponents pass yards per game they're first. Opponent uh, opponents passer rating they are second, and sacks they are first. So, basically every major passing stat they're top four of all of them. The only uh, thing that worries me is that 2019's defense had that uh I do. that two or three weeks that two yeah. or three weeks sprint where uh they looked like they were going to be the best pass rushing defense in the NFL and they proceeded to be the worst <laughs> rushing defense in like NFL history I want to say. Yeah. So, well, right now the Panthers have allowed 2.7 yards per carry, which is first 46.5 yards rushing per game, which is first and second place is 11 yards behind them, so pretty substantial uh difference there and then in total the panthers are first in yards allowed per game by 44 yards and that's a lot jeez <laughs> and first in points allowed per game yeah they've the panthers in two games have allowed an average of 190 yards now the saints again the saints allowing basically not moving the ball at all drags that number down a lot but i mean the panthers are responsible for that the saints the, the saints scored 38 points against packers like a lot of that was their defense setting them up for success, but still, like, they moved the ball efficiently and scored, and then they came out against the Panthers, and I don't think they even really threatened to score other than when the Panthers literally gave them the ball in the red zone. As Brad would say, you can only beat the the team you're playing against. Yeah, Brad so. does say that all the time, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's not the Panthers' fault that they played the Jets and then played the Saints, and apparently the Saints were hapless. Though the Saints did beat down the reigning almost NFC champions, so you know. Yeah, the Saints weren't hapless going into the game. They just looked no. hapless at like in the game. But exactly. I, and then to make to really but to really so the Panthers really get a chance to prove their medal uh this week against the Texans. A game which they are probably going to lose. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You got to be like that. I, I just have to be. I mean, like, this Panthers team has hurt me too much. I mean, there was the 2016 game against the Giants. There was uh, 2018 against the Steelers. There was the, the Bears game. I don't remember what year that was. But 
every time the Panthers. Are How do you not remember the Bears game? You refer to that Bears game all the time. You should have that date like seared into your brain at this point. That might be 2018 as well, to be honest. Um, I don't know, but or that might have been 2017. But I, I just have a bad feeling about this game. The Texans are going to try to run the ball down their throats, and the Texans have been competitive despite the fact that no, I don't think really anybody would have thought that they weren't ending up with like the first, second, or third overall pick in next year's draft. Like they played the Browns, they were only down by ten against the Browns, and they lost, and they lost uh, Tyrod Taylor early in that game. So, and they obviously beat the Jaguars pretty decisively. So, I'm just scared, man. I don't know. <laughs> They scored. They scored one touchdown in the second half. With so, it's a nice little break. Uh, Tyra Taylor played the first half. Davis Mills played the second half. Um, and the Texans had a one nice drive for a touchdown. Their drives went punt, interception, touchdown, punt, missed field goal, with uh, Davis Mills at the helm. So, uh, <clears throat> not and just as an FYI, the missed field goal is by Joey Sly. Uh, Joey Sly revenge game on Thursday. Um. So their offense wasn't particularly effective with Davis Mills, a quarterback. And Davis Mills was eight for 18 for 102 yards with a touchdown and a pick. So um, while, while Tyrod Taylor against the same in the first half of the same game was 10 for 11 for 125 yards. So uh, based on how much Tyrod Taylor was carving up the Browns defense, the Davis Mills came out and did not really do much of anything against them so and it's not like tyra taylor's he's a good quarterback but he's not a world beater by any means i don't know man it's <laughs> that backup quarterback mindset the panthers tend to let backup quarterbacks look pretty good against them so my favorite thing about the texans um and other people made the joke but they look like their roster on offense looks like the fourth round of a fantasy football draft in 2017 it absolutely does. <laughs> like they have Terod Taylor, who will, who's like, if he were a quarterback, like a starting quarterback is always one of those, like, Oh, he's a fringe, like quarterback one. Cause he can run. And then they're running backs. They have a running back rotation of Mark Ingram, David Johnson, and Phil Lindsay, which is just a bunch of names that people are good at fantasy football for like once or twice. And they always kind of get overdrafted because people are like, maybe they'll be good again. And then they have uh Brandon cooks and Danny Amendola a wide receiver, which I think Danny Amendola's hurt, but but still. They got the Anthony names. Miller, too, and there's been a lot of uh, yeah. people trying to bank on him for fantasy for a number of years. Yeah, he's a long-time so. sleeper waiting to break yep. out. Um, But I think Danny Amendola's out. But on the wide receiver front, I don't know if you've looked at the box score at all for the uh, Browns-Texans game. No. Okay, so uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 Texans were targeted at least once. Nine of them received either one or two targets. And then Brandon Cooks received 14 targets. Holy shit. <laughs> so Brandon Cooks got four, targeted 14 times. No one else on the team got targeted more than twice. So uh, I think the <laughs> little sneak peek of the defensive preview, I think takeaway Brandon Cooks in the passing game will be up there on the list of things to do. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you could – obviously, J.C. Horn is uh, 
the I guess he was he's technically the number one corner, but I mean I feel like you put Dante Jackson on him all day and just let the rest of the receivers do something because Dante Jackson can match that speed. I think JC Horn can too. Yeah, he is pretty fast. I forgot about that. <laughs> remember remember the spark, Brian? Remember the spark scores? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking super athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what this was is this? a Panthers game that this is a game that the Panthers defense should dominate in. I just have this very weird feeling that that's not what's going to happen. I mean, it's Thursday night football, and Thursday night football always has weird things happen, but um I don't think there's anything wrong with uh assuming the Panthers have a major advantage in this game. Yeah, I guess. The Panthers are eight point favorites, by the way. As on the road, which is pretty crazy. But I also think me. <laughs> I think people are still waiting for like the, the ball the other shoe to drop with the Texans like you know, they're playing hard at the beginning, but they'll like eventually and I think they will eventually kind of settle into being really bad. But this tends to happen. This happened with the Jets a few years ago. Remember when the Jets uh one of the many times, but there's one year in particular where the Jets roster was like, This doesn't even look like an NFL team and people expected them to go like oh and sixteen and they went like six and ten or something with Todd Bowles as their coach. Like that's the kind of vibes I get from the Texans this year. Like they'll eventually kind of bottom out. But they'll Yeah, they they'll, seem uh... to be they seem to be actively tanking as far as the coaching staff goes. <laughs> the uh the punt? Yeah. I think we should. I don't know if people. Uh, I think we should um, tell people if they didn't see this. Uh, the Texans had a third and fifteen with fourteen minutes to go. Like basically the second play of the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Third and fifteen. Uh, Tyra Taylor completes a pass to Brandon Cooks for thirteen yards to set up a fourth and two at basically midfield. Uh, so the options in that situation are: you accept the penalty, and then the Browns were called for offsides. So you accept the penalty and get third and ten on your own 43 to try to for another chance to pick up the first down, or you can decline the penalty and be faced with a fourth and two at midfield, which is prime, like go for it territory. And the Texans uh, elected to decline the penalty to set up fourth and two and they punted. Well, yeah, so. that seems reasonable based on the number of <laughs> number of gears that we dealt with Ron Rivera. That seems reasonable. I would rather punt on fourth and two than to run another play on third and 10 to try to pick up a first down was, was what they did. Um, and it didn't affect anything. I mean, they, they punted for a touchback. So they got 30 yards of field position um, and the Browns ended up throwing an interception, but like, I don't know what a just, what a crazy decision to, to basically say, no, 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 no. We, we have failed this drive. We will, we will take our punt and be happy with it when given a chance to not do that. As John Fox would always say, a punt is a good play. David Coley agrees. Yep. <laughs> he should have just accepted the penalty and then punted on third down. We're like, hey, we're, punt- we're punting next play. That was what we had planned. Yeah. Accept the penalty, run the football for two yards, and then punt again. It's fine. <laughs> no. It's like he thought, like he thought the advantage of punting from the 50 was better than them, like, running another play and like throwing an incomplete pass and punting from eight yards further back. Yeah. Like that was like, that was like, I imagine that was the, what he was thinking about in his head. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I am not confident yet. And it's mainly because of the Panthers pass. And obviously it's not Matt rules fault, but 
I just have this very sinking feeling that the Texans will come in, run the ball down the Panthers' throats, and it'll be like a 17 to 14 game, and the Texans will win. And that's what that that's that's just where I'm at. I mean, you're allowed to be there. After that Chicago game, man, I can't. I just can't. Mitch Trubisky threw for like what seventy nine yards, and they still won. Like, come on. I'm gonna see. So you've talked about the Texans like running the ball down the Panthers' throat, as we alluded to previously. The Panthers have the best uh, yards per carry, like run defense in the NFL through two weeks. Um, the the bell cow back for the Texans is Mark Ingram, who is averaging a whopping three point two yards per carry on forty attempts, um, with a long of eleven yards. And then the rest of the carries have been split between David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, who are averaging 3.9 and 2.1 yards per carry, respectively, with both of which have a long of eight yards. Now they're primed for a bounce back. I mean, at some point you expect them to have a, a run longer than 11 yards, but that has not happened yet. I don't know, man. Mark Ingram, he's always well, been a bit Tyrod of a Taylor, Tyrod Taylor has a 29-yard run, but he is not playing on Thursday. Nah, he is out. If Deshaun Watson was playing, I would be put betting all of my money on the Texans to win, but he's not. So I don't know, man. I just have that feeling like the Panthers tend to take a shit on a uh, prime time. So I guess we'll see, though. If they can, if they, I who who was it who said it though? As far like all jokes aside, someone in our Slack chat said that. This is, I think it was Brad that the Cowboys next week is where we find out who the Panthers really are. Pretty much. Yeah. And then even like this game with the thing about it is like, it is Thursday. So even if the Panthers just completely fall apart and like, don't play well, Thursday games, like I said earlier, are always, they're always a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. And just not a lot of time to prepare like, uh, all sorts of just just weird stuff happens. People like everybody's banged up. Everybody's still tired. Nobody's really like ready to jump. And like we're already halfway. Th- like by the time this podcast come out, like the game's tomorrow already. Like we haven't even finished like digesting the game on Sunday, and they're already like traveling to go to the next game. Yeah, that is true. I don't know. So, but I mean, I think I think the Panthers like. I feel like defense tends to suffer more in Thursday night games than offense, but I still think the Panthers should definitely hold the Texans like in like the low to mid teens scoring wise, barring any like big plays or turnovers or something that like kind of like fluky things like that. But like, I don't, I don't expect the Texans to be able to move the ball consistently at all. I hope you're right. I hope (laughs) I'm wrong, but I've just been burned too many times by this team. So Want to get into scoring predictions? Sure. Yeah, I'll let you go first. Uh, Panthers 27, Texans 10. Big I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Texans 17, Panthers 14. A lot of faith in the Texans defense. Just cuz I want to be right and if I'm wrong, I'm perfectly happy with taking my lumps on the podcast, but you're hedging I'm with it. Yes. The the just hedging that if the Panthers lose, you're right. You could take joy in being right, and if the Panthers win, you could take joy in the Panthers winning. 
That's what I always do. I mean, I guess. <clears throat> it's an emotional hedge. Yes. Either way, I get to get the that dopamine in my system. So, <laughs> yeah. One thing I'll say that is kind of paramount to this game, the Texans have kind of stuck in games because of turnovers. Like, uh, they have a plus... They, through two games, they have a plus three turnover differential. Like, they've forced five turnovers already and have only committed two. And so that kind of... That definitely levels the playing field if you're out. And the first game was against the Jaguars, so they weren't even, like, outclassed in. But, like, against a team like the Browns, um, the turnovers really kind of throw out, like... Cut, they, like, level the playing field, like I said. Like, it's... it's yeah. You can you can be a much worse team than your opponent, but if they turn the ball over more than you do, that honestly that matters more than like anything else. Yeah, easy scoring opportunities. So yeah, so like like Houston's twenty first in the league right now in opponents yards per play, but and so it's and then let's look at their offense. And where are they? Sixteenth in offensive yards per play. So they're like average to below average in both. Mm-hmm. But like I said, they kind of hung around with the turnover and all the picks on Trevor Lawrence. That's how you do it. So yeah, I guess, yeah. So don't turn the ball over, make the Texans beat you straight up, and they probably won't. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers will probably win this game, but I'm just not prepared. <laughs> not to, based uh, on your commit. score prediction. I'm not prepared to commit to them just yet. They've hurt me too many times. So this the schedule after that to like I don't know if the Panthers can keep get rolling like it's not. Oh, they could theoretically <laughs> win the next three games. I mean, it, like, it gets pretty like it is not. I mean, even beyond that, like it's like at Texas, at Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, at Giants, at Falcons, home against the Patriots, at the Cardinals. Like the Cardinals seem like they might be good, but the rest of those teams might just all be bad. Based on their uh, performance the first two weeks, there isn't really a game on this on their schedule aside from the Bucks games that I see them <laughs> definitely losing. So. Yeah, it's like somehow somehow the entire schedule is just bad. They're all bad. Yeah. And but I mean, it's, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. But it's it's just been it it looks promising, and maybe we can have one of those like be a good team and then everybody talk about us the Panthers being the worst whatever good record team of all time like they were when they were undefeated. Yep. Gotta love it. Gotta love being the worst undefeated team in the NFL. It's always good. I would love the Panthers to go 7-0 and and then it's like which who is the worst undefeated team of all time? This Panthers or the 2015 Panthers? It's one of those two. <laughs> I don't think the I don't think the 2015 Panthers would come close after they destroyed the Cardinals and uh should have destroyed the Seahawks minus conservative play calling. But yeah, we'll destroyed see. the Seahawks in the first half, yeah. Yeah. But anything else we really want to touch on here? I'm all I'm all taked out. Well, stay tuned for the Carolina Panthers Thursday night football game against the Texans, where theoretically they should go three and zero, but I have my doubts, but we'll see what happens. So from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian, joined by John, as always. And uh, we'll have another episode or two for you next week. And we'll talk to you soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, and have fun.
I do I do see your concerns with us saying the Panthers should win, but I'm gonna stick to it. See you guys.